Hello friends, um, this is Jolly and this is Kingdom Heritage. Today I have with me in the house um, Pastor Sam Gibson. He is a pastor with the New Spring um, Church and he pastors um, the Florence, South Carolina campus. So it's um, been a blessing uh, knowing Sam. We've been friends for over a year and it's kind of like um, we've been friends forever. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be uh, talking uh, a lot of uh, about Sam's life before Christ. We're going to also be looking at uh, what God is doing with um, Pastor Sam currently. And also, we're going to be talking about uh, the position of the church uh, during this pandemic. And, and also, we'll we be able to let um, Pastor Sam pray for our listeners uh, because uh, I believe that... Um, God has something great for us at a time like this, uh, and I believe that God is setting the church for a greater uh, success at a time at a time like this. So I want us to understand that um, we are as believers, uh, we are made to make impacts. Uh, we have solution to what problems. Uh, I know sometimes it kind of look like very difficult for some believers to understand that uh, in us lies the power to change our world. So we have primarily been on this earth um, to create impact. Um, that's kind of what I believe. I believe God kept us here because um, he has given us instruction to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion over the earth. So as a believer, this is the primary uh, aim and this is the primary purpose of you coming to Christ. So uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit more about that. And also uh, we're going to be looking at... Um, issues that relate to how you want to build a spiritual foundation and how you want to recommit yourself to God. So uh, I'm going to let um, Pastor Sam uh, give us a little bit of introduction about himself. So um, God will bless you as you uh, listen. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for letting me be on with you, Jolly. Yeah. Um, and like Jolly said, when he says that we've been friends for a year, it really does feel like we've been friends forever. Not, and I don't mean that to sound corny, but he's <laughs> yeah. definitely, uh, you know, I think some people have nicknamed us the Sons of Thunder. Um, you know, that's what's awesome about being people of the kingdom is, you know, that we're all brothers and sisters and yeah. that there is this commonality between us. Um, and so, so, so honored uh, to get to spend time with him and spend time with anybody that's listening. Um, I, my name is Sam Gibson, as Jolly mentioned. Um, I've been the campus pastor at New Spring Church here in Florence, South Carolina. Um, for been the campus pastor for seven years. I've been on staff with the church for eight. Um, and so I've been in full-time ministry since 2011. And um, man, I just love what God is doing in Florence, South Carolina. Um, love what he's doing all over the earth right now. So it's just an incredible time to get to be here with you and um, be with him. Okay, Pastor Sam, um, can you please tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself, uh, especially for those who are listening to us? I know you said uh, you are one of the pastors uh, for New Spring Church, and uh, you pastor the Florence, South Carolina campus of um, the New Spring Church. So uh, I think a lot of people want to know a little bit more about you, especially those who might have uh, heard you preach or those who might have um, seen you uh, lead um, maybe one of the prayers uh, we normally have monthly. So I, I want you to kind of um, give us a little bit uh, of your story, right? Uh, what was your life before you became a believer? Um, I 
really have not told you this before. I was uh, speaking to one of your church members and she said, oh, Pastor Sam has an amazing story. Um, so I think you want to tell us uh, a little bit more of those amazing stories that you, you had before you came to Christ. So uh, please go ahead. Yes, you know, obviously I'll be available, you know, if anyone wanted to know uh, to go a little bit deeper. Um, but, you know, for the sake of time, I really do have an incredible testimony that I'm not ashamed of at all because mm -hmm. you know, Revelation 12:11 says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and mm -hmm. the word of our testimony. Mm -hmm. And I think we far too often uh, as kingdom people forget to frequent our testimonies of what God has done and what God is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up with a great family uh, spiritually um, and you know, grew up going to church at a young age. I actually felt called to be a minister. Um, I'm actually named, it's a funny thing, my name is, full name is actually Samuel. Um, and because my mother got saved while she was pregnant with me mm. and actually felt like the Lord told her that you're going to name him Samuel because he's going to be set apart for mm. me. Um, so that's, it's, it's cool to say that now. Um, but, you know, grew up in church, great family, all the good things. Um, but towards my teenage years, just experienced a pretty strong rebellious face. Um, you know, that the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. And I went and experienced all that pleasure that was available. You know, got really involved in the party scene, mm. really involved in the drug and alcohol scene. Um, I, you know, people always share these testimonies of, you know, just, but I used to say my drug of choice was yes and more. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, but the problem is when that season of pleasure ends, um, you know, the wages of sin is death and it leads you to a place you never wanted to go. Okay. Um, and I remember waking up, I was, you know, in a full blown addiction. Um, I remember just waking up not wanting my life to continue on. Um, and I remember asking, you know, basically about getting help. And it's actually what ended up, very long story short, how I ended up in Florence, South Carolina, was we had, I actually was in Alabama um, and we had some family here. My grandparents were in this area. And I basically moved to Florence for like two months just to let my life settle. Because mm -hmm. um, things have been crazy. I'd gone to a treatment center. I was just trying to figure out what's next. And it's so funny because I never planned on living in Florence long term. And uh, those two months have now turned into over 10 years. And um, my wife and I, we never planned on leaving. We love it here. Mm -hmm. um, but during that time, so leaving the drug and party scene, I knew there was something different. And I'd gone to so many different churches, you know, and just the idea of, Growing up in the part of America we're in, you know, it's very popular to go to church. It's a it's a very cultural thing that most people here actually do attend, uh, but attending church does not mean you have a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so my idea of what it meant to follow Jesus was obey the rule. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't have fun. That was my what I thought it meant. And so I was moved to Florence trying to figure life out. Uh, was attending different churches. Um, thankfully, through this time, I met my beautiful wife. Um, was working at a local hospital and we were attending church, but I just really didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus. That's actually how, and um, someone mentioned, hey, there's this new church coming to town, you should check it out. And at this point, I was just, it wasn't that I was pursuing the right things, mm -hmm. I was just tired of living the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I would, was just very open to, and I would have told you at this point that I was a believer, that I was a Christian, you know, I had a, I had a pretty strong foundation. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually was able to attend New Spring Church uh, for the very first service they had here. So New Spring is a multi-site church all over the state of South Carolina. We've got 14 different campuses. And so, um, but the very first service they had at Florence, I really liked it. It was, you know, just really good. And uh, I've been attending there for a while. And I honestly just remember there was a Sunday. And the, really the only way I can describe it is I would have told you before this Sunday that I was a believer. Um, 
but the pastor was preaching is a very strong evangelist named Clayton King. And it was just in this moment, all of a sudden it became so clear that I felt like the Lord, I heard the Lord say, you've known about me your whole life, but you've never known who I am. Mm, mm. And it was, if I can tell you, just the veil was lifted that day in my, own, in my heart, in my life, that for the first time I really understood, you know, denominationally, I grew up in a denomination that believed uh, that you could lose your salvation, you know, and I you know, honor whatever denominational background you come from, but I would prayed the sinner's prayer so many times, but it was always more of like a, I'm sorry I did this bad thing, save me again, I won't do it again, and just always this kind of really back and forth. But it really was the first time in this moment, May 17, 2009, that I understood that no, 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 it's not about me trying harder and doing more, but it's about surrendering to the mm. finished work of the cross. Mm. And understand that Jesus came and lived the perfect life so that in him I have access and the ability to do that. Mm. Not that it's time for me to go try and figure that out on my own. And so started that day and, you know, I will share, you know, I've got lots of the past pre-Jesus, you know, the crazy stories that people share. But I always tell people the most impactful part of my testimony to me has nothing to do with, yes, I was lost, but now I'm found. Yes, thank you, Lord. The most impactful part of my testimony is the day I gave my life to Christ mm -hmm. since then. Mm -hmm. Is the daily getting to walk with the Lord, and He's done so much in my life since um, 2009. Um, kind of got my wife and I. We weren't married at the time; we were engaged, but um, started getting plugged into the church, which is another funny story in its own own right. So I didn't really want to, uh, but just started realizing that Jesus really is the answer. Mm -hmm. You know that the gospel is the answer. That there are so many problems, no matter what country you go to, what economic status people are in, across the board, if you really boil it down, we've got all these all these external fruit problems, but really the root of it is sin. sin. Mm -hmm. And so just realizing that, man, people's lives get changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ forever. And not only does their life change, but it makes generational change happen in their family. And so honestly, I was like, like I was just, you know, addicted to all the things of the world. But when I found, you know, pleasure in Christ and enjoyment in the Lord, I kind of found the thing that actually could satisfy my soul. And not only did I want that, but I wanted that for other people. Um, and so just started that journey, got into some, um, you know, mentoring relationships with friends of mine uh, who worked at the church and started serving with our student ministry because I thought, you know, well, I wasn't living for Jesus in my middle school or high school years. Maybe I can help other people not make the mistakes I made and um, really didn't know. But um, and just during that time, as I started serving within the church, also just started growing like crazy in my own personal walk with the Lord, you know, learning how to read scripture, um, just diving into God's word and, and just understanding that I think um, growing up in the South, I had a very incorrect view of who God is. And so that's why I still enjoy, I mean, I'm still constantly learning, you know, scripture says that the greatness, greatness of God is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. Mm -hmm. And I just want to spend the rest of my life searching out every corner of His greatness that I can get access to. Mm -hmm. um, and I love, that's what I love about, I, I dream to this day. Of, I just, I love the Lord now. I love getting to follow Jesus and fellowship with the Spirit. I just can't wait to what it looks like, you know, Lord willing, when I'm 75, 80 years old. And what's He going to be teaching me then? What's He going to be showing me then? And um, Getting to live a life of legacy in a powerful way. And so, in 2011, they asked me, I've been volunteering for our student ministry, they asked me to step in to be the student pastor. Our student pastor actually went to pastor one of our other locations. He's still a really good friend of mine. Um, and then 2012, they asked me to step into the role as the campus pastor. And so, um, again, I mentioned this earlier, we're a multi-site church. So in, um, I lead our Florence location. Uh, we have 10 full-time staff members here that I help oversee, and I oversee 
of the local shepherding of the congregation here and our community impact and all the way. So it's, it's really I'm the lead pastor of this community. Okay, uh, that's um, so exciting for those who have not uh, maybe heard this part of your, of your story, right? So I, I want to ask a question. Um, since you came to Christ, what would you say is your greatest um, challenge? Because uh, a lot of people who are out there, especially those who are not believers, they just kind of believe that because you say you're a Christian, you've got all things figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them believe that, oh, you don't have no trouble and other stuff like that. But we believe, we know as Christians that um, we believe in what God is doing in our life. We, we don't think so much about trouble, but right, I will exercise our feet issues of life right so for those who really are kind of struggling or who are kind of um, going through maybe similar experience which you might have gone through before you actually made commitment to God because you said you uh, God told you that you just only know about me but you do not know who I am mm-hmm. right because right. Uh, I think that's a challenge for most Christians uh, churches are few these days and there are a lot of people who have heard about Jesus Christ but they don't really know who he is and I think uh, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to come in contact with the person of Jesus Christ yes to know who Jesus Christ really is and that will kind of uh, set us in a different um, platform so I just want you to tell us, uh, since you came to Christ, what will you say is your greatest challenge, especially in the early days where you, where you first um, actually made that commitment to, to, to follow him and to understand who he really is? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, and I think it can be different for most people, yeah. um, but is when we view our relationship with God and uh, just an only workspace mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, good work should follow our lives, no doubt about it, but I think I found my measure of success based on that. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say it's hard to say like the biggest challenge, I think, kind of go like mm-hmm. the biggest discovery process for me is there's a big difference between trusting God with your salvation but mm-hmm. then knowing who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually, in our church, we, we teach through this principle of the four cups. It's based out of Exodus chapter 6, um, verses 6 and 8. Um, the four promises that God makes to Israel about the idea of the promise of salvation, the promise of freedom, the fr- promise of purpose. And the promise of basically being a part of the family of God. And there's this kind of journey you go on. And I always say that, you know, when it comes to the point of salvation, that is really, yes, you, you trust God with your salvation, but then learning that you can trust Him and His character and who He is. Because mm-hmm. um, you cannot understand who you are mm-hmm. until you understand who made you. Mm-hmm. Um, that you will always have an improper view. And, I, and I, the challenge, Jolly, for me mm-hmm. was I thought I knew. Oh. You know, I thought I had this under my own preconceived notion of who I thought God was just growing mm-hmm. up in a religious culture and mm-hmm. and all these things. But really, um, I would say the journey God took me on of this personally was just understanding what it meant to be a son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 1 John 3, 1 says, see what love the Father has that we get to be mm-hmm. called sons of God, and mm-hmm. so we are. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reading that, and I think I had the mindset of a servant or a slave, not a son. Mm. You know, but the Bible makes us, you know, you, you read it, it says that we have the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, yeah. And even Jesus in his own words, and I think this is really prevalent even in my our own church context, mm. where so many Christians are walking around saying, oh, I've been saved by Jesus, I've been saved by Jesus. Mm. And absolutely, but Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we, we surrender our life to Christ and we buy in and to the fullness of the grace of God, which is an absolute true statement. And we're sitting there going, I'm saved, by, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And Jesus is going, but have you met the Father yet? Mm-hmm. 
because salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe healing of like the identity issues that we see in our culture, mm -hmm. um, healing of wounds and, mm -hmm. and, and proper identity comes through the Father. Mm -hmm. And that's actually made accessible through the power of the Holy Spirit who leads us to mm -hmm. the Father's heart. And so it's, it's, I know, Jolly, you and I have talked about, you know, like inner court and outer court Christianity. Yeah. You're always on this like, oh, I did this bad thing again. I got to recommit. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. It's, you need to get into a relationship with the Father, learn how to fellowship with the Father. Mm -hmm. And then those things kind of take care, get rid of themselves. And so I think it's, you know, just try to sum it up. I don't know if I really could, you know, those identity pieces about who God is and therefore who I am because of who God is. Mm. Um, but also just, you know, it's not about don't do this, don't do that. You know, Christians, we love, and it's just, it's culturally happened over the years, yes. but it's, mm -hmm. we love lines. You can do this, you can't do this, yeah. you can do this, and all those kind of things. But that's really, you don't see that in scripture very much. Yep. You know, Apostle Paul says multiple times, everything is permissible, yep. but not everything is beneficial. Yep. And so I think we like rules because we don't understand really how to learn in fellowship and relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the place that God really wants to lead us and guide us from, is from a place of relationship. Um, and so, you know, there's lots of external problems that that created in my life, my own life. I even think, you know, being performance driven, wanting to prove myself and so, things like that, but mm. that all really just boils down to not knowing a proper identity of who God is and who I am in Him. Okay, so that's, um, I, I love what you said, uh, when you when you talked about salvation being a complete package, right? Yes. Right. So when you get saved by Christ and then He introduces you to the Father and from there you have the Spirit of God to guide you day after day. And also you also talk about uh, when, before you came to Christ, you had more or less like, had like a slave mentality, yes. right? But people, people in the world, they see themselves as, okay, I'm in charge, but in, in reality, Really, they are not in charge, but just yeah. kind of like they're kind of putting up a, a shield or how will I say, putting on the covering that do, yeah. that really kind of make them to feel that everything looks okay. But in, in their inner man, they are experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of issues, a lot of concerns. They have so many questions that has got no answers, right? Mm -hmm. So because like what I always tell people is that in Christ, you have answers to all life issues yes right so we are not saying that uh i always tell people if somebody tells you come to christ and all your trouble will be over that person might be lying to you yes. you understand the Very person right. is definitely yes. lying to you yes. but the most important thing is that comes to come to christ so that he can teach you more about yourself yes like what you said you said uh for you to be able to understand yourself you first you have to understand who made you yes. right so it's uh it's saying as a manufacturer has a better knowledge of his products than yes. the user, yes. right? So, so, good. so, so, pretty much, and uh, that's uh, kind of that. So, uh, another question: I, I think uh, a lot of people out there want to understand how do you your day-to-day -day life? How you understand we have fellowship with God, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we encourage our and uh, those who are listening to us, those who sees us as mentors, those who sees us as uh, a leader in their life, they want to know how do you live day-to-day -day life because a lot of Christians are struggling with different things like some are struggling to maintain uh, a good study habits, some yes. are struggling to maintain a good prayer lifestyle. So how do you, how, on, on a daily basis, how do you commit yourself? Because uh, like what you said, it's not about a, a to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of Christians are looking at, okay, uh, 
I've done this, check this out, check that out. But God really doesn't work that way. We know yes. that God wants fellowship with you. It's kind of like you and I, we say we're friends, right? It's not you. I'm not going to be calling you every day. Neither will you call me every day and say, okay, oh, did you, did you, did you pray today? Yes. Did you, you understand? So it's kind of like that relationship is there, that fellowship is there. We kind of click and we know that, okay, this is what our hearts, this is, the, this is where our heart lies. So mm-hmm. how do you, on day to, on daily basis, how do you maintain that fellowship? How do you probably just kind of give us a, maybe just a brief summary? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in response to your question too, John, I think it brings up like one of the issues people have yeah. is we have such a comparison culture mm-hmm. in Christianity, you know, that we see um, even, you know, with social media and all these mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. you see these people with large ministries mm-hmm. or what you deem as external success, but you don't ever see the price people paid but, to, yeah. to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and or you feel like shame and condemnation because you're not where someone else is. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a teacher one time say that, you know, I can tell you everything I know about God, Mm. but I can't give you my history with him. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And I think we want to just have the knowledge without the process of the history of getting there Mm. that, you know, I I don't, I know a ton of scripture. I don't actually have to work to memorize scripture because I've gone through this experience of history process with God where he just burned things into my heart in a Mm. way. Mm. And so I would say uh, one of my favorite things, I remember hearing it years ago, but is the quote that we often want God, you know, that it talks about, you know, mm. blesses a man who trusts in the Lord, he'll be like a tree planted by streams of living water. And then mm-hmm. we want to be these oaks of righteousness, like Psalm 61 says. It's something I want in my life. Mm-hmm. And we pray that God makes us an oak, mm. but yet he gives us an acorn. Mm. And, you know, we're asking God for these oaks, and God gives us the acorn, and the reality of just saying, we want to, we get so frustrated that we're not at oak state yet, rather than just planting rather than just watering, mm-hmm. rather than just believing that. And so I always say small seeds produce very large trees. Mm-hmm. Small seeds in our life that um, there is an exponential, an exponential factor of when I deny my flesh something mm-hmm. and feed my spirit instead. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I could go on a long tangent here, but you know, if you, mm-hmm. people say, I don't have enough time to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, how much time do you spend watching Netflix? How mm-hmm. much time do you spend um, you're just wasting time on your cell phone. It's you know, all these things that are not, not. I'm not throwing shade at them, mm-hmm. but you know, you don't even have to exchange one hour of Netflix a night for mm-hmm. one hour of God's Word. Mm-hmm. If you cut that Netflix off for an hour and just spend ten minutes in His Word, wow. there's this exponential mm-hmm. thing that I think happens. In happens. This, mm-hmm. Happens in our spirits. That's right. And and just be content with doing small seeds. That you know, people want to. You, you hear these legends of the faith who mm-hmm. pray eight hours at a time or ten mm-hmm. hours at a time. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And so you sit out to pray eight hours one time and you fail miserably, you're not going to do it. Well, just start with five minutes mm, yeah. and then, mm-hmm. and then begin to develop over that time. And so I would, for me is, it is, uh, you know, my own current process is I, I'm a, I love God's word. Mm. Um, it's living and active, it's sharpening it to a sword. It's how God can speak to you a lot of different ways, but I think it's really, really important to know his word so that you can then mm. understand his voice in other areas of your life. Um, and so I've got, um, I get up very early in the mornings um, and I'm just really obsessed with the secret space of life. Wow. I always pray, one of my, my prayers daily is that my public platform would pale in comparison to my private intimacy mm. with God. That I want to have, um, I believe it's in Matthew 11 or Matthew 13 where it talks about, you know, a scribe in the kingdom will bring out of his house mm. new and old treasures. Yes. Man, I just want so much stuff stored up in my spiritual mm. house um, that in any given moment I am not 
uh, running dry, just trying to find something. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, really big on, I, I just know for me, I'm in public ministry, you know, I've got somewhat of, I, you know, some people view it as a platform, but the reality of, I don't think God is nearly as concerned with what happens mm-hmm. in my public platform as mm-hmm. he is what happens to me in the secret spaces of my life. And so a great, like talking about people having problems, mm-hmm. allow your problems and the pressure you have of life to bring you to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Over my Life for me has only gotten, you know, if you say life in the world term, has only gotten harder. Mm. Responsibilities have grown, challenges have grown. Mm. It, you get this myth that it should become easier, but actually it just makes me more desperate. Mm. And so anything that makes me more desperate for God, I'm thankful. You know, that I have, you know, a Sunday, well, Sundays when we're gathering, you know, I get up super early in the morning. Mm. But it's because I feel so much weight and responsibility that I know if I don't get up at 4 a.m., mm and have unhurried, unrushed time with my father, I'm not gonna have anything to give to his people. And Mm. so I just think, you know, Mm. be okay with some small seeds in your life. Mm. Um, And what are those small seeds? And just understanding that um, you didn't get where you are. You do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of this mind. Mm. Wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, the world is constantly trying to conform you to the pattern of the world. Mm. Your history before you knew the Lord was trying to conform you. There's thoughts and there's patterns and, and these systems that, and God is trying to transform us, and that happens in a moment, and the new creation happens. Mm. And as you're learning how to step into that, though, there's a process to that that actually happening. Um, and so I will just throw out the encouragement that small seeds produce very large trees. And, you know, when just like Jesus tells when Peter says, well, what about John? You know, in mm. John chapter 21, what's going to happen to him? He says, what does it matter what I'm doing with him? You follow me. You follow. Mm. You know, God right. is very That's pleased right. and content with where you are today. He's very, he, he, he's okay with that. He just wants to grow you in, in the fellowship with him. Um, I love my current reading plan is I actually read uh, whatever the day of the month is. Um, I go read that chapter in Psalms. Um, so like today was uh, the 13th, and so I read Psalms 13. Well, then you add 30. So then I read Psalms 43, then you add 30. So then I read Psalms 73, mm-hmm. add 30. Then Psalms 103, then add 30. You just go that way through the book. So in a month, you're able to go through the entire book of Psalms because there's a lot about the understanding of who God is and the character of God in those books. Um, that's that's my starting place, and then I kind of allow the Lord to go take me um, there. Yeah. All right, thank you, Pastor Sam, uh, for saying, uh, making that statement where you said um, small seed produce um, big trees. Uh, it's um, a well-known fact that uh, for you to be able to have incremental growth, you have to start from somewhere. So as a Christian, when you first come to Christ, um, the most important thing is um, that relationship which you have with God and then you have to desire to build a strong or a formidable fellowship with Him. And you cannot do this without studying the Word of God, without having time to pray. God is more interested in the quality of the time you give into preparing yourself in terms of the studying of the Scriptures, in terms of your prayer, or in terms of praying, uh, so uh, everybody who is a Christian out there who's listening to us right now, you agree with me that uh, over the years you've seen yourself grow in terms of the way you pray and the way you study the scripture. Now, if you are not in that uh, category of people who are experiencing growth in your Christian life, then pretty much you might have you might be doing something the wrong way because. Uh, for every Christian, uh, it's expected that we grow in the knowledge of who he is. 
So, um, and also Pastor Sam also quoted uh, the book of Matthew chapter 13 verse 52 that says, A scribe who is instructed in things of the kingdom is like a householder that from out of his treasure he brings forth things both old and new. So, we all Christians, uh, we have that characteristic of a scribe, right? Because each time you gain uh, some level of growth or some level of knowledge or some level of understanding of who Christ is, uh, it's an incremental growth in terms of your storehouse, what you have stored or what you have stored about uh, Jesus Christ. So, as a scribe, uh, we are able to bring forth those new and those old things we've learned about him because uh, what this is saying is that everything we know about Christ is very important. So let's um, build the habit of uh, having qualitative time with God in terms of studying and praying. And also uh, Pastor Sam talked about uh, a comparison culture. culture. Um, the Bible made us to understand that uh, those who compare themselves with themselves are unwise. We all have access to God. We all have the same opportunity to seek the face of God. Why not spend that time instead of comparing yourself with other people? It doesn't matter how long they pray. It doesn't matter how long they study. What matters for you right now is you, yourself. How much do you give into the things of the kingdom? How much time do you do you spend with God? How much time do you spend sitting down at His feet and, and at His presence, studying and understanding who He really is? Now you are in Florence, South Carolina, and you and I, I, I know we've been praying for almost like six, nine months or so there about praying for the city of Florence every Wednesday to see, because we believe that um, God is uh, about to open the windows of heaven for a great revival in the city of Florence, and I strongly believe that, and I've seen God giving us, the, he has given us different um, revelation towards that, and we believe that um, this is going to happen. Yes. So for I know, I know you have a big heart for the city of um, Florence, South Carolina. So what do you think uh, will be one of the necessary um, preparation the church in this area yes. needs to do, you understand, to see the move of God? Because we have so much history about this city. Mm -hmm. And really we know that this city is supposed to be like a mount, a, a, sorry, a city set upon the yes. hill. So what do you think, um, for those who will be listening, what do you think that... Um, God wants us to kind of what's God wants us to do or God wants us to what's the level of preparation God wants from our side this time if you can uh, yeah um, you know I so many different ways I can go about it but if I really sum it down into you know Jesus says in the Gospels that the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence mm -hmm. and the violent take it by force mm -hmm. and I think we have to learn how to get violent in our spirits about taking authority and dominion over the community we live in um, you know, the way I believe in the sovereignty of God, but I don't believe that gives us permission to be passive. And so I think we've just gotten a little bit too content with saying, oh, well, it's always going to be this way. No, 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 it should not be this way. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that, you know, it's all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, about the power of prayer. Um, and I think we've got to learn that for far too often, you know, recently it feels like the Christian voice in my part of the United States where we are has become louder in public, but I feel like it's become weaker in the private secret space. Mm. And I think we need to learn how to be, uh, we need to be sweet in spirit, but violent in prayer. Mm. You know, like the Apostle Paul says, let your 
um, words be full of grace, seasoned with salt. But you know, these days it's always like, no, it's this or that, and we're, and we're real quick to post public opinions. Um, and so I, I think it is becoming violent in our spirit, you know, contending in the secret space that just waging war in the spiritual realm for people's lives and, and warring against because there's a war being, you know, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's picking a fight with you. Mm. He's picking, he has an active plan to destroy my life. Well, I'm waking up every day and I'm picking a fight with him. Mm. Um, I will not passively let him come and take my marriage. I will not mm. passively come and let him take my neighborhood. I will not passively come and let him take the sheep of, of, of the congregation that I see. So I think we've got to get a little bit, for lack of a better term, almost ticked off in the spirit. Mm. You know, that we should look around our land, we should watch the news, we should see these things, and it should bother us. Mm. I'm bothered by the racism I see in America. I'm bothered by the injustice I see in America. Mm. I'm bothered by the all these things that I'm really bothered by is the stagnancy of the body. Mm. Um, and so that's one, just you know, awakening to that, that space. And the other thing is I think we have to actually hunger for God. Mm. There, there's got to be a hunger for Him, not for other people, that I think it's so easy to want God to move in someone's life, but not be desperate for Him to move in your own. Mm. I pray all the time that God, you know, Romans says that no one sees God, no, not one. So it's a supernatural thing for you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Mm. And so I ask all the time for God to give me a hungry heart, to want more like, you know, uh, that I'm always panting for the streams of living water. There's just something that um, I'm not okay with where I personally am. Mm because I can't lead somebody to a place I'm not currently at. Mm. And I think right now we approach, I heard it recently and this was so good to me, but we often approach God or the church in particular, I will say this to the church, like a food critic. Mm. Like we're there to evaluate the meal. We're there to post about it. And it's in our culture, you know, you've got all these review websites, but I'm there to, was the worship good or not? Yes or no? Oh, I'm there, was the preaching good or not? Yes or no? And that's the wrong question. I want to approach it like I'm hungry and I need a I need a meal. Mm. You know, I'm a beggar looking for some bread, and so I'm just thankful mm. for anything that I can taste. It. You know, we just missed out on like you know Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is That's good. good. Mm. And right now it's like taste and see if you want to evaluate if you like that meal. Oh, mm. I'd rather have this instead, or I like this style better. Just we've got to put a depth to consumerish uh, consumer Christianity, where it's just that rather than it's an all-consuming part of our life. Mm. Every every bit of it. So I think you know a really practical thing you can do is ask God to make you hungry. Mm. Mm. I ask Him that all the time. God, give me a hungry heart. Let me hunger and thirst after You, because in the kingdom, as you get a taste of it, mm. not it's not like here on earth where we eat and then we're full, but actually in the kingdom, as you begin to eat and you taste, that you begin to want to thirst and hunger after that even more. more. Um, and that there's just a lack. I remember John, one of the first conversations you had as you asked me the question. You said, "Why is there no hunger here?" Mm. Why is there no hunger in this land? And I wrote, that really marked me because it was so true because I've been praying through that. And I, I mean, I think there was even times in my own pastoral career where I had grown pretty stagnant. And so I'm just not settling for less. And so man, we gotta be violent in spirit. We also gotta be a hungry people. We can't, we, it's my job to be transformed by a move of God, not, not analyze one. Mm -hmm. That if I hear, you know, it's so popular, you hear uh, Christians criticizing one another all the time. It's like, man, if God's moving in another church in our area, I'm just going to try to figure out how I can go bless that. Mm, yeah. You know, I, Jolly, you know, you probably heard me pray this, but I pray all the time. Like, if the best thing for the kingdom of God advancing in our community is for this church to shut its doors, I close its doors right now. Yeah. That I care more about the kingdom moving forward than our church agenda moving forward. Mm. And I think we just got to get to that space and that kind of tenacity a little bit in our spirits um, and just get hungry for God in a lot of different ways. That's nice. So, um, talking about um, the church and um, 
on the move of God, right? Uh, in this current situation, which we are in in the world, uh, with the pandemic and yes. with the coronavirus, right? A lot of churches, uh, they have to kind of change the way they, they have their yes. service and other stuff like that. So I was uh, actually talking to a friend of mine and I told, and I told him that um, after this, it's either we see a lot of churches uh, have to do things in a different way. I'm talking about the spiritual aspect because I think uh, Christianity unto this day, a lot of churches are very good in uh, personal uh, PR, personal relations, right? Trying to get the members and the rest of like that. I think God is not interested in just the population. God is interested in the quality of the members. So yes. in this present time, what do you think uh, about uh, the happenings in the world? What do you think about the church? When you think about the church, what comes to your mind? What yeah, I think um, you know, it's God is, you know, God did not cause coronavirus. I to say that for sure. Mm. Now, I do think, I, I think God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So, mm. theologically, you know, we can disagree on that, but there's, you know, this is, I do not sense this this God's judgment on this earth mm -hmm. in any way, shape, yeah, or form. I'm with you on that. But I do believe that this is a gift to God's church to to reprioritize what matters. Mm. Um, I have seen this be a revealer. It's no longer, you can't hide in the squishy middle. Mm. In our church particularly, I've seen people who have taken massive steps in in their personal walk with the Lord because they realize, man, there's a gap here that I think I was just being fed Sunday to Sunday and I'm missing something here. Mm. So can you, so I've seen guys learn how to trust the Lord really for the first time if they were being honest in their life. Like mm. learning they can trust God with everything because you're being forced into that space. Um, I also see it in people's lives where they're kind of fading away. And that's mm -hmm. not on them. I think that, I don't say that in a bad way towards them. I think that's, I'll hold account for their spiritual condition as the, the overseer of the flock. But I think it's just right now, it's a revealer of where you are. You mm -hmm. know, if your trust was in your job, well, guess what? People are losing jobs left and right. If your trust was in all the, you know, and honestly, the idols of the land are wiped away, sports, entertainment, all these things mm -hmm. are just cleared. Um, and there's no, there's no path. No one's been here before. Typically, mm. we walk through situations. Mm. I actually talked to a pastor in Germany today. It was so funny, we were laughing because we literally said, he's in Germany, I'm in South Carolina, United States, but we're facing the exact same problem. Globally, we're facing this, and no one's been here before, and so I think we actually have to learn what it means to be dependent on God. Mm. Not on our own ability, not on our own efforts, not on a way to gather a large crowd, and like you said, like kind of back to the original design. Mm. Um, I heard this, and it's, it's just been resonating with me, that. If you want to become a world-class chess player, they actually teach you, if they're teaching you how to play chess and you want to become world-class, they teach you how to play it by taking the queen off the board. Mm. Because the queen is the most powerful piece that you have in your arsenal. So if the queen is off the table, mm -hmm. you have to learn what the other pieces can do. Mm. And right now, and then when you when you're learn how to play with using the rest of the pieces, when they add the queen back, no one can beat you. Mm because you're not dependent on the strongest piece, but you have it at your disposal. Mm -hmm. And so right now, the queen's off the board for the church. Mm -hmm. Our Sunday gatherings can't happen as they used to. And that's always been the thing that we could just go back into and say, oh yeah, well, you know, we just had that queen and we were able to use that, some more effectively than others. But I think that made us miss out on the collective fullness of what the body can actually do. And so we're having to learn how to play differently right now. And I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's a challenge for sure, but I think it's a gift that God has given to his church to get it ready for what needs to step in back to kind of the original design that, you know, we just, we react generationally to church. Mm. I heard it's, there's a story where 
a, uh, you know, the pastor was building a new church program and he was really, really excited about it. And he kept asking the construction guys, hey, can I help build? I want to put my, I want to put skin in the game to this church and help. And, but he doesn't really have any skills. And so finally, you know, the, the, the contractor kind of got tired and he said, well, hey, you know, tomorrow we'll be setting up the framing of the church. So if you could cut us 208 foot two by fours, that'd be great. So we just need you 200, measure it to eight feet and then cut it. And if you had those ready for us tomorrow, we could just get started. So the pastor's like, yes, this is great. So they leave and he measures out the first piece, cuts it to eight feet. And then he, he makes a cut there. Well, he realizes that it takes a little bit of time to measure each one. So he's like, well, I'll just take the board that I just cut, line it up on the next board, draw the line there, and then cut. And so he just starts stacking the boards like that. So he takes the one he just cut, line it up the next one, draw the line there, cut there. Well, the problem is each time he does that, you know, he adds one sixteenth of an inch. And so by the time he's cutting the 200th board, instead of eight feet, it's over nine and a half feet. Because that little bit that adds each time. And I think it's that thing that no one ever intentionally, but we just react generationally that I didn't like the way my church growing up did this. So I'm going to change some things here. And the problem with that is we, we miss out on the original design. Mm-hmm. The original design of the fullness of what we're supposed to be able to walk into as a body that, you know, our church didn't talk much about spiritual gifts. So therefore we're all about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Well, then we miss the grounding of God's word. And so I think this is just a season where God is taking his church and his people back to what actually matters. Is your house built on the rock? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Mm-hmm. Revealing the season. Mm-hmm. And then for churches is... If we only know how to engage people on a Sunday gathering, then we're missing the daily life of following Jesus that we're supposed to be leading people towards. Mm. Um, and so it has been, it's an interesting time, but I think it's a really good time. You know, I hate seeing what coronavirus is doing to people's lives. It bothers me, you know, John and I, you would pray for it to end all the time. Mm. Um, but I also don't want to miss out on the things that we can learn. Um, that the true test will come out if we come out on the other side of this and our life doesn't look different at all. Yeah. Because I think we've missed everything then. That's 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 so 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 good. So um, like I I said, I totally agree with you that mm-hmm. God didn't cause this right, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity for the church to be able to come out stronger after this because this is kind of re- re- resetting a lot of mindset, a lot of spiritual platform for the for the church. So and. Um, I know God has been speaking to us. God has given us different encounter to tell us about what is going on in the sense that this is where he wants the church to go. Like I always say, I said it's not about uh, how this happened, but it's what, the, what does the church need to do at yes. a time like this, right? Because uh, we've, we've, we, God, God has had enough of us playing church, right? Yes. God, want really, yes. God really wants people who have the understanding and know what he wants us to do yes. part time. The Bible talked about the children of Issachar who understood the time yes. and knew what they ought to do, yes. right? So, so pretty much for every Christian and every believer out there, right? God wants us to come to that full knowledge of who he is yes. and also know what to do at a time like this. Nobody's happy about what is going on in the world. Nobody's uh, nobody's happy that people are dying and then there's no solution. But the good thing, like what um, Pastor Sam said, is this, that uh, the queen, like in the chess game, the queen has been taken out and uh, we are left to survive or rely on some other strategy. Yes. Now, but remember that with God, there's no option A or option B. is the only option. Yes. You only have one option and God yes. is the option. Any other thing else, you're doing it the wrong way. Yes. So, so pretty much, and the church is uh, in a stage whereby we know that the governments might not be the solution to our problem. Yes. 
Our money might not be the solution to our problem. Our job might not be the solution to our problem. Our education might not be the solution to our problem. Our only solution is Christ Jesus. Yes. And God did not just give us Christ Jesus because of coronavirus. Jesus Christ has, has paid the price even before, even yes. before the foundation of the world. So it means we in Christ, we have all we need. Yes. In Christ, the church will come as stronger if only we align ourselves fully with him. Because I believe, I, Pastor Sam, I believe God is looking for a church that will come with full understanding. And yes. this is the right time for the church. I remember I shared my encounter with you, right, where I talked about three structures, right? So, but yes. God wants us to build that structure that will be formidable, that structure that will line up with all that He has told us about His personality. So, pretty much, and that's it. So, I, I would lo love for us to. For you to pray, um, maybe pray for our listener, for those who might be struggling with issues of life, those who might be struggling to make decisions for Christ. Because at this time, right, people are coming to Christ a lot. Yes. A friend of mine told me about uh, somebody who came to Christ even when the churches are closed, yes. right? So, and also, you also shared a similar story with yes. me, telling me about somebody who came to Christ yes. even when the churches are, are closed, right? So, so pretty much, uh, there are a lot of people who need the touch of God. There are a lot of people who need to find Christ and who need to get the understanding. So I would love if you can pray for those who will be listening to this and kind of um, just leave them up before God. And Yes, absolutely. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father, thank you that we can approach you boldly and confidently because of what Christ has done for us and that our lives are covered by the blood of Jesus. Yes. Um, if I just pray for anybody that's listening to this, that's made it to this point, obviously there's a bit of hunger there in their mm -hmm. life. Um, and so, Father, I just pray, um, you know, I can't physically lay hands on them right now, but by the Spirit of God, I just say, fan into flames yes. the gift of God inside of them. So, God, just whatever fire is there, stoke it, Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, blow a fresh wind and a fresh fire over their hearts, Lord. Make us a hungry people, God. Make mm. us a violent people mm. in the Spirit, God. A people mm. that are, are not okay just saying, well, that's just the way things mm. are, God. I pray that we would be so in line with your heart mm. and with your mind for our mm. communities, God, that we would just, we would see what you see and we would break for what you break for, God. Father, I pray for the, for the new believers in this season, Lord, that you would just begin to help them understand that it's not about they got to figure out all these things, but they're just learning how to access everything mm. you've already given to them. Mm. Um, Lord, that we would just be a people that are about the things that you are about. Father, I'm so grateful, just like John, of all the testimonies of good I've heard in this time. Mm. Father, the testimonies of people coming to know you when the church is closed. Why? Because salvation belongs to you, not the church. Yeah. Father, and just that you were returning, like in Revelation, it says that the Spirit and the Bride say, come. God, mm. would you just align your church with your Spirit, that we are sending the same message that just mm. saying, Come, all you here, weary and laborsome, I'll uh -huh. give you rest, God, that the world is just in this total state of chaos, but your kingdom is not. Uh -huh. Your kingdom is in, in authority. Your kingdom is a place of peace. And so God, I speak right now. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard the hearts and the minds of the people that are listening and walking through struggles like never before. Father, your word says in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, that those who know your name put their trust in you and they will not be forsaken. God, thank you for Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Thank you for Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. God, thank you that your name is so encompassing, God. Thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Mm. And Father, I thank you that you are going to use what the enemy intended for evil for good. Mm. That the enemy will regret the day that coronavirus was able to unleash death on this earth because we were going to see so much life come to it. Mm. Um, God, and I just pray for all of us. This is a thing in my own soul that's just been burning deep within me. The Proverbs 11, 11 says... That a city is built by the blessing of the upright, but it's torn down by the mouth of the wicked. Mm. Mm. Father, would we be a people that understand that death and life is in the power of the tongue? Mm. 
And Lord, that we would speak life over our communities, God, that we would bless our government officials, God, that we would bless everything that we see you do, that we would not use our words lightly when you intended our words to speak life and encouragement. Uh, that there are people prophesying death all over this land and they have no authority to do it. You have given us all authority. And so, Father, we just speak life over your people, God. We speak life over the believers, God. We speak life over the churches, Father. We just say, I thank you for the spiritual men and women here that you are calling out, that you would awaken, arise up, O sleeper, and awaken to the things that God has for you. The Apostle Paul says that in Ephesians to believers, not unbelievers. And so, Father, I just call out any believer that's in a state of dormancy that it is time to arise and shine for your light has come. That your life will become radiant because of the glory of God that radiates onto you. Mm. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So, thank you so much, um, Pastor Sam, for giving us uh, this time. Thank you. Uh, also, I want to thank those who are listening. Uh, if you've listened up to this point, I, uh, like Pastor Sam said, definitely you have the hunger for the things of the kingdom. Uh, so uh, pretty much uh, we're going to be um, doing some more uh, of this recording as frequent as possible. So just um, be blessed and stay with the, the love and the happiness of knowing Christ because uh, you are in, the best, in a better place than anybody else if you are in Christ. Yes. So God bless you. And God bless you.